0: One small step per man. One diathlete per man. Columbia,
1: Columbia. i I saw the canter one. That was, uh... That was fucking something. And then Steven Adams replying like four hours later. I'm it's it's stupid. I went to Italy, JB had like a thousand followers. I came back and like network and him now have a partnership and his cantor is just dude you know, swooning over his defensive prowess. It's I have like I
2: have almost three hundred followers right now, and I've been really excited about that. And I just don't even, yeah. look at, I don't even look at J.B.'s count anymore because it just makes me sad.
0: <laughs> no, I know. It, it has been crazy. Well, the thing, too, is, you know, I think it, I think it all happened in the last two or three weeks with some of these videos, um, you know, from the Frank defense ones and, and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it's funny to me because I think me and Kyle were talking about this. I mean, a lot of this stuff we put out there, it just seems so obvious. Um, things that people would be interested in seeing. You're sort of surprised you don't have, you know, like some of the mainstream sites doing anything like it. So to me, it's just kind of easy to throw, throw out what we all want to see anyways. And then, yeah, the followers come along, but it's really about finding stuff. You think people would, you know, would want to see.
2: It's, I think it's even, it's the interaction part of it, man. It's like, you know, you're breaking it down too. It's, it's got a lot of levels to it. I think that's what people are enjoying.
1: You know what else too is? I think a lot of people yeah, do. I'm,
0: I'm glad they are.
1: I think a lot of people do video breakdowns, but I've noticed in a lot of the videos I've watched, they're also not very aesthetically pleasing. Like sometimes it's just like a clip, and then there's like a little black and white caption at the bottom uh, describing what you're looking at, and that's it. And then JBS has like vibrant arrows pointing to where Ennis Cantor is about to play some first-team All NBA defense, so it it. <laughs> It helps, and then people, like, know – it's, like, impossible to not know what you're looking at at that point. So it's – I don't know. I, it's, like, little little things like that that I think help people buy into it because they don't have to think very hard when they watch the video. They just, like, tune in. They they play it, and then all they see is, like, a green arrow, and they're like, ah, here's where the good thing happens.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. No, and I'm glad you said that because I think, for me, the, the biggest thing really – it's, you can go out on YouTube and there are a lot of videos that break down plays. And I think a lot of people, you know, it's sort of, let me show you how smart I am to say, all right, this offensive set, they're running horns or here they did oh, the God, same yeah. pick and roll. And, you know, and it's all stuff. And it's like, okay, that's that's great if you can identify those plays. But but I find it just, just use simple language. Like just say like, yeah, here is a, a screen and, and the guy got caught on the pick. I mean, we don't have to get too technical. And, and hopefully that's, you know, the other thing that people like is just I'm trying to just keep it simple so we can all look at it. We can we all know basketball. We can recognize the play. We just might not know every single term that, you know, every coach has ever invented.
1: I think that's reserved for Jokic Twitter. I think that's where you'll find <laughs> a lot of those terms being thrown around um, to enhance who he is as a player. That's just a hunch that I have. Um, For no particular reason or bias. But anyway. um, um, Yeah, but I mean, the videos have just been crushing it. uh, Absolutely crushing it. Um, The the Frank stuff was as good as it was timely. Because that first couple of games in when he wasn't playing. And Dennis Smith Jr. had like two great games. um, Everybody Buried. Frankie Nicotine just buried. And it was tough because you knew he hadn't played and he hadn't done a single thing wrong. And you just see Dennis Smith looking like a young Steve Francis running down the lane. And then you just <laughs> like, ah, man, like, like we fucked up. We fucked up. And you immediately, <laughs> yeah. you immediately think you fucked up. And then, because how do you not? He, he, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. Cause you look at it, the optics are bad. Like Frankie just keeps getting hurt or he's sore. He can't get on the court. What he does, he plays for like five minutes. That was the first couple of games. And then Dennis Smith Jr. You know, basically just has the greenest of lights in in Dallas right now. So anyway, so I mean, it was tough. It was tough. And then um, he actually comes in and he plays a couple of good games um, in the sense that he did everything not bad or well that wasn't scoring. And then JB throws together a couple of good defensive videos. And suddenly everyone's like, oh, holy fucking shit. Oh, let's pump the brakes on the rest in peace Frankie talks because uh, – You know, even if he's – one thing I keep saying is, like, even if he's not a superstar, if he's just a really good starter, you still win with that pick, in my opinion. Like, just because he's not, like, a Westbrook, if you still get a Rubio, like, that's kind of a good thing, too. So you putting those videos out, I think, especially once, you know, uh, some important accounts got a hold of him, it really helps spread the awareness that Frankie does not – suck in fact he he's the opposite he actually looks pretty good um so yeah i i just yeah, think yeah
0: no, i think wonderful. yeah i think it really helps in this market too with this fan base i mean that, that's the thing um that i think is so crazy about Knicks fans is you're talking about a team that has pretty much been not just bad but like awful for you know what 15 years now and you have a, a guy that is a rookie who hasn't been scoring. We put together a video that's literally showing that, you know, he's putting his arms up on defense, just following fundamentals, like making the right switch. And everyone goes crazy. Like we've just drafted like, you know, the next great star. I mean, I just think it's really cool. You know, not, not just so much about the video, but just about the reaction shows you that Nick's fans, you know, the team's been bad for so long and yet they're still so hungry for just good basketball. It's not even, I mean, I think the joke everyone was making was, well, this is a lot better than Dennis Smith doing a, a dunk in warm warmups or something like that. Right. Yeah, it's, but yeah. that's the point. It's like, it does, it doesn't have to even be flashy and you hope the players, I mean, even Cantor, you know, highlighting his defense yesterday, you hope the players sort of pick up on this and say, geez, yeah. If I just go out there, play hard, you know, do the fundamental things right, they will get noticed. I don't have to play outside of myself and score 40 points like I might on another, you know, smaller market team. Right.
2: right. Yep. Um. Yeah. Do we, Uh. you guys want to start going in depth with a couple of the videos? Uh. Kind of start talking about what we see in them?
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever <laughs> you guys want to go on or if you want to just talk, you know, Knicks in general, whatever you want.
2: Well, um, I kind of, I went through a couple of your videos last night, like took a couple of good rewatches again. And a few of the more recent ones really stuck out to me. Um, I kind of want to talk about this Jared Jack run that we're seeing. Um, I figure, because I'm really, I don't know what to make of it. I can't tell you if he's for real, (laughs) how long this is going to stick around for. Like when Noah comes back, obviously they have to get rid of a player. And Jack is, from a contract perspective, uh i guess jackson one that makes sense because he's not uh guaranteed but like do you think that he can continue this kind of play even in like limited minutes if we want to start like you know putting frank into a uh a bigger position or like i just want to know how much i guess you think he has left in the tank here
0: yeah i mean it's one thing to you know be good for a week um you know, it's funny with basketball. We don't think about it the same way as we do with baseball. Like in baseball, you know, it's pretty much expected that any player could get hot for a week and go, you know, 12 of, of 18 at the plate or whatever it is. Um, and in basketball, though, we sort of just assume everyone plays at their general level all the time because, I mean, some of the great players do. But I think with Jack, he might be a case of, he came in at the right time, doing the right things that the team needed at that time. So, you know, instructing players on defense, pushing the pace on down the floor. Um, so, you know, does that, does that stay all the way through that sort of intensity that he has? And especially because he's playing, knowing that he's on a non-guaranteed contract and he wants to obviously get paid longer through the year. I, I guess it would be hard if you look at his career and what his tendencies are to say, yeah, he's going to be exactly this for a whole season. But all that being said, it's not like what he's doing right now is scoring or, you know, doing something beyond his career averages. Like if he was pulling a insanity and scoring 25 points a night out of nowhere, then yeah, we would all say he can't keep that up. But, you know, basically controlling the pace of the game and being attentive on defense. I mean, that shouldn't be too, you know, that that shouldn't be too hard for him to keep up either. So I guess I'm giving you kind of both sides of it. What, sure. what do you think, Kyle?
1: I, I think um, Jared Jack's thing that he's most talented in is just not being Ramon Sessions. Mm. Um, <laughs> right. I, I think that helps immensely, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like his life's very easy because of um, of KP. Like, I think he was sort of like, I, I know we had this argument with Ty about like Ramon sessions being good because, or being good for the team and the young guys. Cause he was a vet, but I think that's actually what Jared Jack's doing. And while I still, I think the veteran presence is sometimes uh, overstated. Mm-hmm. I think Jared Jack's at least right now, it looks like he's trying really hard to be like the exact good vet on a young team, because all he's doing is, pretty much just looking to get the young guys involved. Like he's just pushing the pace so that Chris Stapps can run the floor after a big block. Like he's looking to just keep feeding them. Like he knows, it seems like he has the understanding that this team isn't supposed to be good. And all he's trying to do is get these young guys where they need to go. And when you have a vet that's doing that kind of stuff, then that's when you win. That's what you hope you get from the vet signing. Like it looked like sessions wasn't doing that or wasn't doing that well. And it right. seems like Jack gets that a little bit easier. And again, it's not complicated stuff. Like he's not like threading the needle on on these passes. He's not like trying to be like a Chris Paul in the offense. Just like really simple shit. Like Chris, Chris yeah. taps is seven foot three. He's charging into the lane, Toss him the fucking ball. Like it's really easy right. stuff. Right. But the, to, the like, fact to, like, that he can not mess up.
2: The fact that he can visualize it is what's really like exciting to me. He's averaging six assists a game right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's pretty impressive. I think what impressing me like the most though is that his kind of defensive awareness of where everyone has to be on the court um i liked especially in uh in jb's uh video uh nicks film school video on that it was like he was pushing Cantor into place every every possession it looked like you know like it just even like a, a point guard that can work with the bigs and knows where they need to be in their rotations like that kind of knowledge really has a lot of value to a team um, yeah. I think that kind of awareness has more value to a team than a guaranteed contract might be to the New York Knicks, where they have just an ungodly amount of money and they can cut whoever they want. Uh, yeah, I, I
0: mean the other question. The other question is, he they had that game against Oklahoma City where they're turning over the ball, you know, every damn play, and Ron Baker, you know, was a big part of that. And then Baker got hurt around the same time that Jack got put into the starting lineup. And I think originally the idea was, all right, they're going to start Jack because they just want to cut down on the turnovers. And they, you know, with a young team that doesn't play good defense, you don't need to give easy points. But then Baker's, you know, still been hurt this stretch. So I kind of wonder, I mean, it's one thing, okay, when Noah comes back and they have the the extra roster spot, but I also sort of wonder, let's say Baker was healthy this whole stretch. It would have been interesting how Hornacek, you know, gave out point guard minutes. Like, does he then play Baker more on the wing, which he showed, he's shown that he's, you know, he could do, or, you know, I guess it's just like, the it really worked out for Jack that he just got this perfect opportunity where, you know, th- there's not many teams that were probably looking for his services in the, in the preseason or in the off season. And then he comes to this team and it's, it's just been like a perfect fit for him. It, And adding to that, you had a guy suspended and another guy get hurt that offered up those minutes at this time.
1: Right place, right time. Yep.
2: Yep. Um, Cool. You guys got anything else on Jack?
1: um, No, but sort of like a not Jared Jack thing, but sort of a Jared Jack thing. I sort of hope that – I mean, I I don't expect him to do this well the rest of the year, but I sort of just from play style – um, he reminds me of what Brandon Jennings was trying to be last year, I think, um, in the sense that you know Jennings was looking once he got in to like feed Willie, feed KP, and it seems like Jared Jacks like doing that well, as opposed to turning it over a fuck ton. So I guess my point is, I I'd like to see whether he continues to do this well or not. Jared Jack continue to start, Frankie to take all those backup minutes and getting like 25 minutes a game like he has been getting. And then when Baker comes back and he inevitably starts to eat up some minutes, too, I hope he mostly just sits in like he sort of platoons between, you know, like you just said on the wing a little bit more. And then sometimes at the point guard spot, because I think that would sort of be ideal because we don't want to see Ron Baker get big point guard minutes, you know, like I think that would be um, just funner. It would help us see Frank in bigger stretches like we've been seeing him. Um It's just it's more of like a hope I hope it continues to be this way. When Baker comes back, it doesn't muck it up too much.
0: All right. Did you guys see my way? There's, um, there's like this big push on, uh, on some of the mentions I was noticing on Twitter about just doing breakdown of the hair on the Knicks, you know, it's Ron mm-hmm. Baker. And then you got Willie that, or Billy. I, I say Willie cause I read the, you know, I always read his name, but obviously it's Billy, but, um, you know, he's got the thing going with the gel and it's all yeah, switch you know, to the side. Um but it is just funny because it's like I've seen more people just be like, I want to see Ron Baker out there with his freaking hair.
2: Well than, like uh, let's not forget that. about Kuzminskis and his hair. Um Great Ron's natural hair. Too. Great natural hair. Yeah. Yeah. A little broccoli like, but you know, we'll give it to him. Um Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who's got some
0: uh well i I was just thinking because he just played the Suns, but i mean booker's got to have you know one of the slickest fades in 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 the league right
1: he's got a weird face to me though he does have a weird face but it's a hell of a haircut
0: yeah he does
2: well i don't know well kudos to the Knicks stylist i guess or the uh the kp billy Barber Shop that we're still trying to figure out where that is fun fact it, yeah it's
1: actually uh in danbury and they yeah, get chopped up by fabio his name so. is
2: fabio that's that's right that's how this works moving on shout out fabio oh uh, fabio um so uh one of the other things that i think is kind of coming up this week too one of the other videos that i took a look at from a, a couple of weeks ago against the detroit game you put it out but uh i want to talk about kylo quinn uh we can bring back kyle on kyle if we need to a little bit here uh re the past Yikes. a little bit but um yeah i kind of just want to know like he's been on such a tear lately and i know that the big thing the big story around the knicks right now is like why is billy not getting minutes he's part of the young court and needs to be developed but with koq looking so good out there like i don't know how you do it he looked great in, against the suns
0: yeah, I mean, I'm actually surprised that he's not a more popular player. Like, when you think of Knicks fans, especially a lot, who grew up from those 90s teams. You think, well, here's... And I know it's because he hasn't been consistent, I guess, is the answer. But the point is, here's a guy who goes out there, he kind of grinds it out, he shows a ton of energy in his game.
2: He's from he's Queens. He's from
0: freaking New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like he's on some ridiculous contract. Like, I remember that summer when they when they got him, like, we were all celebrating oh they just made like a normal move like it wasn't you know outrageous so he's i'm actually surprised he's not more popular
2: yeah um and Ky- i think kyle can kind of answer to that a little bit because kyle was amongst one of his biggest critics towards the beginning of his career with new york
1: yeah yeah but my ba- you remember my critique very clearly it was i'm and, and this is i think from our very first podcast i said He bothers me because he looks as low, he's supposed to be good at basketball, and in fact, he is terrible at basketball. That was my first critique, and also what I'm certain is uh, the thing that got us blocked. I'm positive of it, but... But that, Because all he would do at first, he'd come into the games, and he'd have, like, four points. He'd shoot a bunch of mid-range, and nothing was going in. He was blowing second chances. He'd have, like, three rebounds, maybe a block, and, like, four fouls. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And then I think probably a week after that, all of a sudden he never missed the mid-range jumper again. Um, every time he got an offensive rebound, it was guaranteed to be a putback. Like, he was going in. Easy you money. He got his game going. Yeah, uh, I'd like to credit myself entirely because it was for I sure me.
2: For, yeah, I think it's all you.
1: It, yeah, um, but not after that, and, and pretty much the rest of the year, like I didn't know if it was a fluke or not, but he was very consistent as just a good role playing guy, and and it's sort of a weird team to fit in with. No matter what your position was, I thought he established this role of like whatever it is that needs to be done, I'll do it. Like I'll get some offensive rebounds. I'll I'll hit in some. Uh, you know, I'll hit some mid-range jumpers. I'll, like, he found his ways to fit in, and I feel like it almost works really well when he comes in and plays on this current team that's tailored around Chris Stapps. And now he's just sort of, you know, KP doesn't rebound well. We know that. And he has two guys around him in Cancer and O'Quinn that do rebound pretty well. Like, O'Quinn hits that all gla- uh, offensive glass hard. Like, he's always in yeah. position now. So... And especially uh, lately, I don't know. I know last year he had some uh, some good blocking prowess, but this season seems like he's – I haven't looked uh, at any numbers. He, he, I just feel like his his I mean, block rate's got to be up. Just gonna take so So I don't know this offhand, but it, it's got to be up over last year. He's blocking more shots. It seems like he's timing things better. I feel like he's developed well. And, again, he's not a, a star or a stud or anything, but – for for what he is i think he finally like figured out all the things that he's good at and he just does those things like he he offensive rebounds well he knows where he's going to take his shots you know and he's he's hitting his shots like he's just been good at the things that he does so you don't ever want to get like wildly excited about it but that's part of why this team has been successful too is when you have a bunch of those guys who know their role and they're good at the role so So,
2: do you want to know uh kyle quinn's block percentage is it good yeah it's it's over the last couple of years. I'm going to start like throughout his career. So 2012 he was um he blocked 3.1%. Uh 2013 5.8. Then he dropped down to 3.8. Then it was 4.9 his first year in New York. 6.9 last year and this year he's up to an 8.9 block percentage. Um Yeah. That's good. That's Yeah, good. it had to Let's see He's looking at even his per game right now, he's averaging a block and a half per game. Um yeah, I think he's he's looked really solid. Like he's maintaining the same minutes he's played throughout his career basically. Uh but he's really I feel like he's making the most of them more than he has in any other year he's played. Passing pretty well too. Yeah. Like he's just he's in the offense. He he looks good out there.
0: Yeah, and it's still, you know, we think about it. We just went from Jarrett Jack the koq and it's got to be the i mean when was the last time nick's management made a decision that all the fans were against that has turned out again small you know it's been two weeks but it's sort of turned out okay um i just think that you know it's easy as all of us do it, right? Like we go on Twitter and I know some of us are good at finding, you know, old uh, opinions we make on Twitter and and bringing them to the light. But for the most part, we can kind of go and say whatever the hell we want. It's not on any public record. No one's going to come back and get us. So, you know, we're always right as fans in that regard. But I thought, I just think it's interesting that this is one. I mean, I've been myself when they started Jared Jack and I was sort of defending him at first. And when they started him, I was like, "What are they doing?" I was
2: oh, I, I, yeah, upset about I it. Didn't believe it,
0: right? I mean, we all were, right? And then the same thing with Billy's minutes. It's just like crazy that those two things have worked out, um, you know, in their favor. When you t- when you hear, you know, all the, the stupid like change the culture anytime new leadership comes in, like uh, Perry and Mills together. I mean, maybe these are the little things, though, that, you know, that um, cliche kind of means in reality is that you start making decisions that prove out and then the fans will trust it a little more. I mean, if the Spurs, if Popovich sat uh, Billy from the beginning of the season, no one's really questioning him about it because he has a record of success. And he's like, yeah, he's probably doing this for some you know, strategic reason. And it's going to work out. Well, you only get that cachet when you make these decisions and it works out. So I know this is a small one and it's just for you know a couple of weeks here, but I just think they need to keep having these things happen and then maybe you build that trust and that's really how you change you know you change the culture.
2: So do you think uh, because people were harsh on Hornacek at the, to begin the season? I, I use, was right. Yeah, it's just we like, all were right. Yeah, but like you're saying like, you know, it's it's Twitter, it's, you know, it's predictions, it's whatever, you know, it's kind of what you're feeling at the time. You know, do you think that the uh do you think moving forward really that the fans are going to be a little bit cooler on him um and kind of give him a little bit more trust after these things working out or do you think like, you know, one more misstep, you know, a little bit of a losing streak and he's right back where he was?
0: I think it will turn quick cuz it's not enough, but I just think It's that one little step that, that helps. And then we hope that, you know, he continues with the next thing. I mean, obviously when Noah comes back, that's going to change all the rotations. So that's going to be a major point that we're going to see, okay, how do they handle that? And especially with fans opinions on Noah, um, you know, is it, we're just playing the guys that make the most money, you know, is it, you know, how did it? I mean, to me, it's an impossible problem because they just got so many big men. But yeah, I, I think the fans can turn pretty quick. So I don't expect this to give them a, you know, a long, like a free pass or anything. But I'm just saying that I think this is an example of things that if you're a team trying to climb up from the kind of the doldrums where the Knicks have lived, you need these things to go your way so that you can start changing that narrative, building that trust a little more. And then you can make, it just allows you to then make decisions without every single one being put in this light of it's, you know, it's a disaster because it reaches the players. I mean, they all read, check Twitter and, you know, read the papers and, and watch TV. Like when they're seeing this stuff and they, everyone's saying, oh, you know, the Knicks, they don't know what they're talking about. Well then, you know, obviously they're just, especially younger players they're 21 year old kids they're just like yeah see i I knew i knew the coach is an idiot i just i don't know i just think it's something that that helps when once you can change that narrative a little bit in your way
2: all right moving on from uh from old jeffrey um not not you jeff i mean hornacek
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that that whole message, by the way, was paid for by Jeff Hornacek. There it was in exchange for having Cantor post my video yesterday. I Boom. said, you know,
2: <laughs> motherfuckers in cahoots. I, I like it. <laughs> um, right. yeah.
1: No, I was gonna say um, after in a, uh, talking about apologizing to people and uh, maybe the tide shifting a little bit. Like Hornus has of late. What about Timmy? Because there was, a, it was all jokes on Twitter all summer about Timmy signing, and rightfully so. It seemed like a little bit much. And then he had three monumentally bad games to start the season, just gunning for nothing. There was nothing going in. Yeah. And he's been on a tear over the last, I think, five. So um, do we now owe Timmy an apology? How sustainable is this? um where do you think he comes back to earth like where i mean obviously you can't shoot like 70 percent forever so uh, uh, like where where is this going to level off is the point like where do we see a the rest of his season going what do we what do we think about his production going forward after this hot stretch to sort of balance out that frigid start to the season
0: yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a shooter, right? So he's going to have, like I was saying earlier about, it's the same way in baseball, right? You'll, you'll have a guy, uh, you know, like Seth Fidesz, he'll hit 14 home runs, you know, in a, in a month or in a month and a half. And then he'll go a month and a half, he'll hit two. And at the end of the year, some you know, you'll look at the whole back of his baseball card, and you're like, oh, he hit 30. Well, it wasn't like he was just doing that by hitting, you know, five a month. And I think it's the same way with shooters, where they're just going to have these streaks. So unfortunately for Hardaway, he started the year having that streak. But I I remember looking up to see, because last year in Atlanta, that was his best, uh, statistically, his best shooting year. And I looked up to see if he had any stretches like he had to start the year. And sure enough, he did. In in the middle of last year, he was like 4 for 40 over some stretch. So it just gets lost because it was in the middle of the year. Um, So I think he's going to be overall a good shooter, but I think he's just going to have, you know, these streaks where he's really hot or really cold. I think the part that's helping him is his defense, you know, he still has times where he gets a a bit lost, but he also has shown, you know, pretty good ability to guard one-on-one. Like early in the year, he had some tough matchups with uh, OKC that I thought he handled well um in, in transition. It was something I pointed out when they first signed him, but like he he has this weird ability where to chase down a play from behind, and every player tries to do that, but he's pretty good at like actually like getting back and stopping the play or or getting back and and having like a block from behind. I think um Brian Giverman was even raising this yesterday on Twitter. But yeah, I think if he does he, you know, shoots the way we know he can shoot, and he does something on defense. Then you have to be happy. I mean, the contract is what it is, and unfortunately, when it's big like that, he's going to come under bigger scrutiny. But, um, you know, you you can't because he signs that contract, you can't now say, well, unless he plays at this, you know, this level that matches that, we're going to be upset. You got to kind of separate it almost as a fan and say. All right. Yes, I'm upset that they spent so much to get him, and it impacts our cap flexibility. So, from a management standpoint, I'm upset with it. But then, if I'm watching the games and evaluating him as a player, I think you got to be more fair to what can I expect him as a player to do. Um, You know, otherwise, you're just going to drive yourself crazy with it.
2: Yeah, I think I I echo a lot of what you're saying on that. Just He's going to be a shooter. He's going to go through streaks. Every shooter who's ever shot the ball goes through streaks like these. Um, You know, it just happens with some guys more often than others. And, you know, like, I think it's just like he was bad at the beginning of the year. He's good right now. And he'll just level off and once his, you know, his his stats are always going to look about what they're, look about even because I think he's just going to keep going through stretches where he's hot and he's cold. And that, you know, it's just something we're going to have to live with. Um, but I think, you know, overall he's developed into just a solid version of a streak shooter. If there's anything that's ever been, and I don't know if he'll ever be like super defensively sound, but he has the time to grow into that right now. So we'll see what
1: happens. I, mean, I, I like what I see from him defensively. I, I don't think, um, what he's done defensively can't be consistent. Uh, he's doing a lot of little things. Well, I mean, it's not like he's just like gambling and it's paying off. Like, it it seems like remember when um he started playing well in Atlanta at the beginning beginning of last season or middle of last season, and then everyone was you know, doing the good old LOL Knicks thing. Well, how could they move him for what is now Jerry and Graham because hindsight is twenty twenty. And I, a lot of that came from development in Atlanta with um Budenholzer and he played at least defensively, like he is now. Like he also played that way in Atlanta. And especially like JB was saying about the transition, D. So I don't think what they're doing isn't what he's doing anyway isn't sustainable on the defensive end. I think, I I don't know, I kind of expect that to continue. Like, yeah, you'll get torched sometimes, but he's doing like the little things better that he didn't even try to do the first time he was here. And it looks like he's doing the same stuff for the most part that he was doing in Atlanta, which is what the gamble was. We're like, oh, well, now he got paid. Is he going to do the same stuff so, again, it's only eight games, but I'm more intrigued defensively. Like, we know he could shoot. It was the other shit that he's doing. And he's been passing pretty well, too. I don't want that to get lost in the mix, either. You know, he's he's not going to die me to death, but he's had some nifty uh, passes, timely passes. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm changing the tune a little bit. I, I kind of... I'm kind of enjoying the Tim Hardaway junior show right now. I do
2: agree. He's been passing. Yeah. Well, I've, I've noticed that too. His, um, I was just looking at his stats as well. And his, um, I think I just lost him, but his shoot, his uh, assist percentage is right up there with where he was uh, last year. And I think that's kind of where he started learning how to, how to move the ball a little bit better. He's averaging three a game. Um, yeah. I think just like in the, the new New York Knicks ball, uh, ball movement offense that we've kind of seen over the beginning of this season, Uh, especially since jack has started running the show he's it's it's benefiting him i think he he's no he knows when he's when he's streaking uh he knows when he's you know when he's hot when he's cold and he's comfortable passing the ball and i think that's that's a good quality to have in your guy
0: yeah and i think the passing i mean that's really been a big reason why with not really having any great offensive point guard i mean yeah jack performance aside a little bit is the Knicks this year in their offense have run a lot of action where they'll let you know courtney lee tim hardaway jr and then even the the forward um you know kyle quinn standing at the elbow i made a real nice pass against the sun the other night where they're letting those players set the offense up and then you just play the point guard off the ball and then you have some movement and then I think even Zach Lowe highlighted it uh, in his piece this week with Perzingis where, um, again, it's similar type of play where you're you're pulling – you're basically taking a good offensive player, you're putting the ball in his hands earlier, and you're saying, okay, yeah, you can either create something for your own, but we're also going to run a lot of action around you to open up these passing opportunities. And obviously for Knicks fans who are all, you know, obsessed from the mellow days, even though I think it's way over exaggerated with the isolation ball, um, you know, it's exciting to see that it's not just point guard slowly come down the court, you know, call the play, dump it into the post, dump it into the wing for a, a isolation. It's a lot of this. Let guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. create. Let someone like even Kylo Quinn, you know, do a do a pass out of the post. Um, so I think that's helped the offense,
2: too. All right. I guess, I guess really all we have the only place we have left to go from here and we kind of been saving it for the end of every, of every pod, but we got to talk KP. We gotta, we gotta end things off on a great note. But, uh, you know, Jeff, you had that video out the other day about, uh, KP in the post. And that's really been the most impressive thing to me this year is just how he's like, he's really learned how to turn that shoulder and like shoot over guys and just knocked down from a ridiculous clip. Uh, I just, I guess, what have you been seeing from that from him? And like, how encouraging is this whole thing to you?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think the the thing I noticed in the post was that last year, at least by, you know, and the synergy numbers aren't always perfect, and I've learned that the more film I've watched where, um, you know, that they're trying to approximate what the plays are, and sometimes they don't always get it right. But the point is, last year in the post, his numbers weren't very good. And especially when he is on the right block on the right side And this year, um, he's pretty much been unstoppable from, from there. And I think the thing I'm trying to like get around in my head is if you told me, okay, you're going to go back in the day and see, you know, early Patrick Ewing and those early years, the Knicks were still really bad. Like when, when they, after they drafted him, but You know, I guess it's all the hindsight, like when you know what's ahead, like the Knicks would have that great run with him in the nineties. And so it's kind of romantic to go back and be like, yeah, they might've been bad, but man, it was probably really fun to watch Ewing when he was right out of college. And I kind of feel like that's where we are with Porzingis, where my biggest excitement is if he truly is like what he's shown this season, which to me coming into this season, we all would say, yes, ursinga is a unicorn he can do big things we think you can build you can build a team around him i don't know if we would say he's a lock for top 5 player in the league like maybe top 10 top 15 this year i think they're starting to dream maybe he is a top 5 player in the league and to me it's like all this talk about tanking and you know we got to build in the draft a lot of what you're doing when you're tanking is you're trying to get the player that we now already have, right? Like you're hoping I get a number one pick. So in that rare, you know, that rare year that a LeBron comes out that, you know, an Anthony Davis comes out, well, the Knicks might already have that. And what that allows them to do is now you still build through the draft, but maybe you don't need to get, lucky that you get the number one pick and get a franchise player maybe no if you just get a couple really good players at a draft and then you have kp and then in a couple years you have cap space you know you really have something so i I guess my excitement is more that it's more saying what you know what does it really mean for this franchise if perzingis is truly a top five player and and so far that i i think that's what he's been i mean what how are you guys looking
1: at it? I think it's probably, uh, and I hate to say it, I, I think it's probably like a hair too soon to say top five. I think, I think there's no arguing that he's top ten at, at well, least in this not, season at this right moment. Now,
0: right, right, right. Not right now. I'm saying top five. He's showing that he could be a top five player. Just oh
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because what do you what do you want from a top? A top player in the league like all these guys have similar traits to their games right like LeBron for what has to be three decades in a row now he torches you offensively and then he plays elite defense and then now look at you know KD what he's done in Golden State that doesn't get talked about a ton but he torches you on offense and then he's been a good rim protector he plays good defense you know, you have guys that are capable of doing multiple things. And now the same thing with Giannis in, um, in Milwaukee. You know, he's a guy who they wanted to come along offensively because he was special defensively. And now he's swatting guys on one end of the court, running the court, and just yamming it on guys' heads. And that's what we're seeing from KP this year. You know, he's been, he's shown that he could be a good rim protector in the past his first two seasons, he wasn't great on the perimeter, of course, because why would you be when you're walking on stilts half the time? But he was always able to defend the rim really well. So, we're still seeing that, and now he's been more aggressive, he has more room to roam, but now he has the points to go with it. So, all these guys have very similar... Like, you want to see them be imposing on defense, and you want to see them you know, light it up and get buckets, and he's doing both of those things. Um, So, Obviously you gotta continue to be consistent offensively. You gotta improve defensively, you know, you you gotta be able to hang with some guys on the perimeter, whatnot, but he has the tendencies that you'd want a top five guy to have and that other top five guys do have. So it's it's sort of hard to argue that he wouldn't get there on his current trajectory. That's sort of I feel like if if you're making that argument, you're just making it to, you know. I don't know maybe Nick's bias or any anything else I, I can't see how you would refute it with what he's been showing it's it's scary it's scary and it's, it's fun because all of us wanted us to tank again this year and everyone's just like, I don't really care if we tank this is fun and, <laughs> right. and and to your point, you hope that you hit the grand slam on a guy like this like you hope that you hit the home run. Because after that, like, you don't have to keep hitting home runs, just like you said. Like, now their lives get easier. Okay, we have KP. We have the guy. We have the crown jewel that you everybody prays to get in a draft. So now, what do we need around KP? And it looks like they understand, okay, we need a point guard who's going to be able to, to, you know, catch him rolling to the rim. We need a guy who's going to be able to, you know, get him the ball in positions to succeed. You know, they're just getting him the ball in the right spots. He's making all the right moves that you want him to make. And I just feel like everything's starting to fit in well around him, surrounding him with shooters too. You know, this is helping other guys like Tim Hardaway. So I just feel like now you're starting to see what you want to do to build around him. And that just makes it easier, you know, to your point in the draft. You don't have to hit home runs anymore. You're just looking to hit singles and doubles and really good role players, really good starters that fit around this guy. And that's how I think you become successful as a franchise. So I mean I'm I don't know. It's it's very exciting. I we're, we're five hundred and I'm very I, I can't remember the last time I was this excited to be five hundred and I don't even care about the record, you know.
2: The team looks fun to watch. They're like they're actually exciting out there. Like every time you see like Frank making a good pass or like playing some decent defense out there, you get a little hyped on it. Like Ever like KP's not shooting much from three, you know, this season, but like, you know, he had one against the Suns that he just like lined up and knocked down as he was coming up the court. And like I, I I yeah, it was like it was it was really exciting. It sent some shivers down me. Like the whole thing with this team is like they're they're gonna go through a bad stretch at some point this year. And things are not gonna be clicking, the lineups are gonna get shuffled, and we're gonna have to deal with the same kind of things that we have to deal with every year. But like that's why i'm en- i'm enjoying the beginning of the season so much it's just like they're fun right now uh yeah they got a lot of they're proving a lot of people wrong they seem to be a little bit further along than we thought we did there's a lot of questions and things that still have to be figured out but like for right now i'm just kind of hyped up on what they actually have going on and if you know if it ends up being another like 32 win season or something like that we end up with like a you know, mid lottery, late lottery pick or something like that, that like you guys are saying, that might be all we need to find. It, yeah. With the right kind of scouting and we've shown to have pretty decent scouting so far, um, you know, with the right moves, that could pan out to be just another piece that we need to keep this train moving.
1: Now, last, I guess, last ish thing. Yeah. Um, That was asked last week, but um, with how JB's analysis has been so far, I want to get his take. Um, we obviously talked about KP's accolades last week that he could potentially have this season. What do you think he realistically does individually by the end of the season? Like, where, where do you think he, what do you think he wins? Where do you think he ends up on um, the scoring ladder? Uh, what do you envision for the rest of this season?
0: Yeah, no, that's a good question because this is the first, I mean, he, and, uh, I think it was—I can't remember now if it was his rookie year or the year after. But I mean, he's had stretches where he's really been in and out of the, you know, lineup a lot, like during, uh, I'd say, like January, February timeframe, where you feel like he might hit a little bit of that wall. But so the question is, can he keep up the scoring to to rank, you know, that that high? I mean, right now it's funny because everyone's like, well, Melo's gone, so he's taking all his shots. Tim Marley Jr., I think I looked last night, he's averaging eight and a half three-pointers a game this year, and I think his high, was like, his high was like five. So it's not like there aren't other guys trying to take a bunch of shots, but what is interesting in terms of where he ends up is um, could he actually be... I mean, if he's playing like this, and again, it's such a small sample size, but let's say he somehow kept it up. Could he be in the talk for like an all-NBA third team? And if he is... That brings up a different discussion about how much the Knicks are able to pay him uh, for an extension, because I think, and and I guess I'll give the little clickety-clack preview that I I was going to write this up this week about what the Knicks options are for giving him an extension off his rookie deal. Well, the percent of the cap off a rookie extension is 30%. But if, but I believe, and this is what I still got to double check, if he makes all NBA, they can now, basically he qualifies now for that designated player exception that's different from the rookie exception, which allows him to go up to 35% of the cap. And it sounds like it's not a lot, but like over $100 million cap, it's like $5 million a year. But the point is, it is something that sort of look at because you're already a team that's capped out with contracts like Noah or, you know, Tim Hardaway jr and if the Knicks want to sign him early even five six seven million dollars does make a little difference in terms of your flexibility so it's kind of one of those weird things that you know all the teams struggle with with these uh, extensions I know I'm kind of spinning off your question of what he can reach but it was something I was just thinking about last night of well geez if, if he made like an all nba team now you know that 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 also changes the contract uh, negotiations. Hmm. um but yeah like i said i got that's something i gotta i I gotta double check because i wasn't sure if uh the extension you can still offer that rookie extension since it would be a year before the rookie deal runs out um or if it actually does change the the top amount he can get if he makes all nba but um you know there's so many there's so many you know players that obviously you know you're talking anthony davis and carl anthony towns and Depending on what position you put all these guys, um, it's hard to say. You know, even at his level, does he definitely make the All NBA? But I mean, do you guys think like I think scoring wise is the big one that he's been off to this hot start? Do you think he can stay like that high? I mean, that that's the one that sticks out the most. It,
1: yeah, I said last week. I think people. I think Network said on the Ringer podcast. You know, Jason Concepcion said um, he thinks he could be top five in scoring and have a real shot at it. And while I'd like that to happen, I feel like we're being a prisoner in the moment. If after eight really good games, um, you know, at this value, we think he can maintain it over the course of the whole season and, you know, finish there. And obviously I'd like to be wrong and I'd hope that he does do that. But what I realistically see happening is, you know, he's going to get a little bit tired. Things are going to catch up to him. This is his first like monster workload of a season. And I I think top 10 is is very reasonable. I think he's obviously going to be the top scorer on this team um, and the ways that he can beat you. I, I can't see him averaging anything less than, say, 25 points a game. So I think he's got to be top 10 in scoring. I, I top five. Certainly he has a shot. I don't think he wins the scoring title because you'd have to maintain this absurd clip, basically. But I think top five is reasonable. I think top 10 likely, the most likely scenario. And, um, you know, the other thing that I mentioned, and I think everyone was in agreement, in, is um, he's probably going to be the favorite, if not in the running for most improved player. And on top of those two things, which are, I think, more of givens, you know, now, like you bring up, he has a real chance to even make an all-NBA team if he's going to continue to play, out of his mind this way. So um, I think the shoe wins are, you know, a top 10 in scoring. I think that's probably uh, not a lock, but as close to one as you can get. And then I think most improved is he's got a real, real shot at that because, hey, how could he not? And, um, you know, I mean, maybe an all NBA third team. Yeah, I think that's that's in the running.
0: that would be the one thing too, and, and just kind of um, I'm looking at the numbers to remind, remind myself. But it's, I mean, he's averaging 22 field goal attempts. His high last year was 14.9. But what's interesting is his three point attempts are the same. So he's yeah. taking, you know, and this is, again speaks to him in in the post. He's getting to the foul line more. But one thing I had noticed that if you're if you're going to get that geeky a little bit here is he is exchanging a lot of his three point shots for mid-range shots so it's not necessarily even shots by the rim like he's right now his percentage of shots by the rim are his lowest of his career so far so he's Mm -hmm. taking a ton of shots in that 10 to 16 foot range which if you were to predict out you know okay can he keep up this pace you would you would argue well you know, that, that's not the most efficient shot. So eventually, you know, your field goal percentage might not be as good from there as, as he started out. But that being said, I think he's so unique in the way he's been playing in the post where it's like, okay, if you're getting a pick and roll, uh, mismatch. And you're saying, okay, you're dumping the ball to Perzingis and he's turning around and shooting over a six foot guard. Right. I, who cares if it's from 15 feet and it's, you know, a, mid-range inefficient shot that's a good shot and he's going to make most of those shots but i don't know just a couple of extra things to,
2: yeah, to I, add
0: to the equation
2: i'm right i'm right there with you because that's really been the most impressive part about his game to me this year is that i'm just i just look at him and it's just like he kind of makes that mid-range shot efficient like it's kind of like an old school big kind of thing like where he he's, looks comfortable with the bank shot more comfortable than i've seen him with it in you know his entire career um and it's just like he's the tallest guy in the league everybody is a mismatch to him and he's you can tell he's worked so hard over the summer like making that mid-range shot efficient enough for him where he knows what he's doing right there like he's just been using it so often that his like shot looks consistent to me um and yeah it's just like it's it's a weird shot but it's looking like it might develop into like that little turn and shoot from 15 feet away it might become like what's known as his signature shot in a couple of years um I I'm am yeah. I don't know, like that's bit that shot has been really impressive to me and I think that it's that's the biggest um reason for this this increase in scoring for him. Uh but yeah, just to kind of like piggyback off what we're saying originally, I'm like yeah, you can lock in top ten scoring. I think you he'll be top seven in the league really when it comes down to it. He has a shot at seven or higher in my opinion. Um yeah, I, I think he I think he's definitely the running for most improved player. I almost want to lock it in, but you know, we'll see in a couple of months if we can do that. Um all star game. Definitely potential third team all NBA. And I think maybe he might defend his skills title as well.
0: Yeah, that's mm. right. I forgot about yeah. that. And I it is crazy when you look at I'm looking right now. So right now for points per game, he's third. He's first in usage percentage. He's ninth in points. He's ninth in free throws, and he's let's see, um, blocks. He's sixth. So that's another one. I guess the blocks you probably can expect he'd be pretty high. But it, it's it's kind of crazy how many things he's already. Player efficiency rating seventh. He's already in the top ten for a lot of you know a lot of categories. I mean, some of them are volume of shooting, um, but but yeah. I mean, I, I think. I think we're all, you know, on the same page that we don't necessarily see him winning, you know, in a lot of these categories, but he'll, he'll be right up there. And, then, and the last point I want to make on him is, I think because right now the way the league is, where it's all about, you know, Daryl Morey, uh, D'Antoni, Ball, sort of take a three or shoot at the rim, and everything else is, you know, a bad shot. And then even with the Wizards, uh, the Wizards, the Warriors, the way they, uh, you know, move the ball and come off screens. Everyone, you know, it's a copycat league, so everyone starts to try to do those things. But remember, the Rockets and the Warriors, they didn't copy anyone. They, they Well, they copied tendencies that other teams have shown, but then they really exaggerated it into their style of play. So I think when we even talk about Porzingis or, or how the Knicks should play, we have to remember the next team that's going to be competitive is probably not going to be, oh, it's the team that copied an offense that was good five years ago and now all their players develop and they're running that same offense. Now they're good. The Knicks when they're competitive in five years, hopefully have an offense that's unique and sort of zigs to the zag of the current league. And maybe part of that is you have a lot of teams running these kind of smaller lineups and you have Przingis who's seven foot three, who can still stay close with a, you know, wing type player. But you can also dump it to the post and it sounds old fashioned, but maybe in five years it's not because the the other rosters aren't set up to defend that type of game. Um, So anyway, it's just another, I guess, kind of point on how I think, you know, looking forward, how I think Przingis sort of fits in offense and
2: where he can go. Okay. Yeah, I'm agreeing on all points. We got anything else for today?
1: uh no but if you want to go ahead and plug the brand new yeah. site
2: well let me, let me uh let me hop in here real quick because i've realized i'd never even intro the show to begin with so uh <laughs> cut that in at the beginning yeah i think we'll just we'll just throw some music at the beginning but uh yeah we've been here with jeffrey balone aka nick film school uh the by far i mean just the best nick's account you'll find out there on twitter Breaking down everything right on right alongside there with the Knicks wall, um, just breaking down film in ways that a lot of guys are looking right past. So, if you want to learn a little bit more about this uh, this year's Knicks team, I think uh, I think JB is the place you want to go.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
0: I want to know to was class. it because um, was it because you know it Holton JB on the podcast? I feel like the curse word. Uh, count was really low on, on this pod versus other ones i've listened to with you guys
1: Fuck it up,
2: man. I know. Yeah. throw another one in if you want
1: because <laughs> <laughs> no, normally normally we do the pilot it's like 10 o'clock at night and we're mad feisty yeah we're just trying to, we're just trying to go to bed this puppy won't stop biting my ankles you know yeah, th- yeah. this is this is a very wholesome morning pod we have coffee yeah it's noon on a sunday we're <laughs> That's
2: what,
0: well, that's what I was wondering because I was just waiting to the end of the pod to, to ask. I was like, oh man, is i I made this pod like too official? We're just like, you know, asking all these official questions and. <laughs> no,
1: this is this well, is well, the the, other,
2: this is the official coffee pod. This is.
1: And, yeah, and the other thing too was um, the fact that nothing miserable happened. Like nothing chaotic happened this week right. that We're we'd be angry that. about. It's like all that's happened in the last week and a half was like we learned Frank is probably going to be a phenomenal defender at some point once he keeps figuring it out. And Chris Stapps is grossly, grossly good and getting better. So, like, we don't really have anything to be upset about. So, we're not very angsty today. I think that helps too.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's, all it's
0: right, We all got right, the day good, off. we all right. But, <laughs> um, oh, uh, but yeah, Anthony, I, actually, I'm going to, before you say it, because it's, uh, um, it's easier for me to talk about you than you about yourself. For everyone who's go- who's already gone, or hopefully after listening to this pod, goes to the new Nick's Wall site design. Um, Anthony put in a ton of work to get it to look the way it does, and even for me, with a lot of the films I put out, I mean he's always in the background giving me advice on different ways I can make it more appealing to the eye, um, and you know our graphics just across the board he's he's always killing it so. Um, I know you're going to talk a little more about some of the new things that are on the site, but I just wanted to, you know, make sure people realize that you know when you come to the site and you like what you see or a lot of the graphics, you know, we have a lot of people that definitely work on the graphics, but I know you know, Anthony, you've been leading away, way, so you know, we all appreciate that.
2: Thanks, man. Um, really, I really appreciate that, and yeah, I mean, just the whole thing with the site is just. Just have some fun look around we, we just tried to install a couple of new things. We have the store up there we got the um you know we got the film school's got its own thing going we got the podcast up um euro you know feel free to let us know what you guys are seeing and if you want to make a suggestion or two then you know there's there's comments boxes there's uh you know always ways to reach us so um yeah, I hope you guys all enjoy it. We're doing it for you guys. Um, we have a lot more to add on to that really soon and we're just always growing always growing check out the merch shout out to uh to bailey on those designs bailey carlin um yeah i i you know shout out to all the great podcasts we had in the past shout out to jb here killing it with the nick film school videos um just the whole team the whole you know the articles the the pregame, the postgame, you know the diligence that comes with doing that like sticking with them when they're good, sticking with them when they're bad. I couldn't ask for a better team to work with you guys. So uh, that's yep. that's the gushy pod segment.
1: Um, and real quick, just uh, for the fans, nothing's been uh, finalized yet. But be on the yeah. lookout for the rest of the year, obviously, for, um, you know, any giveaways. We're going to be doing more uh, things like that. Uh, so stay tuned to the Snapchat. Make sure you follow us on Snapchat. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Um, we're going to we've been periscoping after game so uh, tune in for that whether it's me or you know jb or anthony or bailey or trey or anybody else uh that might do it um stay tuned ask us questions let's have some fun with it and lastly um be on the lookout for something soon is what i'll say for a uh fan get together we're trying to get something in the works nothing set in stone is the um, date
2: locked in yet we, we don't have enough to announce it, that right
1: yeah, we don't have enough, uh, to announce that. Um,
2: can we, can we say around what time?
1: Yeah. Look, look for late December, look for late December. Um, keep your schedules open. We're trying to get, uh, something going, just something fun, something to, you know, reward you guys a little bit. So, uh, we're just looking to have some folks get together. Um, have a good time, maybe do some giveaways, things like that. So a uh, lot to be finalized. Sure. Yeah, more, more on that next pod once we get things finalized. But um, just stay tuned. We're excited about it. We're excited about growing with you guys. And we just want to be able to start uh, getting together and really start meeting people and, and uh, get this thing moving. So uh, stay tuned. And uh, thanks for your continued support, obviously. It means a lot no. to all of us.
2: Yeah. All right, guys. Anything else?
1: No, I'm I'm good here.
2: All right. Yeah, sounds well, good. Thanks for coming on, uh JB. Really appreciate it. You're the man. Yep.
1: Alright, yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. Kyle,
2: I'll talk to you later, man. Alright, take it easy. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a good one. It's, it's Sunday, man. <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs>